Hello. It's time to get our act together and do another podcast. This is the Sanctioned Citizen Podcast, and I am your hostess, Tempest Del Fuego. So I just want to say, this is it. This is the moment. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening and bearing witness and seeing all of the things that are happening and hearing the story of all this and how it goes down. It's really important. My heart is filled with people who are suddenly witnessing all of the bad things that have happened to my country and to actually the neighboring country, which is also Canada. You know, just six hours from here, there's a place called Vancouver. And uh, yeah, I feel more sane today than I did a week ago um, because I have this book in my hand. Let me, let me just tell you what's going on. Um, <clears throat> whatever Tempest Del Fuego is and has been being doing is suddenly being transformed by the massivest windfall of greatest fortunes ever. Okay? Like the massivest. Why so massive? Because people like me are suddenly being believed for the experience of being gaslit for so, so many years. And so how did this happen? A, a confluence of brunt force news attention on a seemingly disconnected constellation of real world problems. Okay, it started with homelessness caused by drug infiltration. Mentally ill people, yes, of course, but also Purdue Pharma addicts who turn to the black tar market for heroin on the streets. Okay, that's a real gritty problem. Okay, and so there's deaths and deaths and more deaths in the streets. And so then there's some co corrupt and callous elected leftist progressive public officials in the Pacific Northwest who look the other way at, say, like Antifa's domestic terrorism, but also, you know, every white guy's a bad guy and they're all potentially domestic terrorists, which is not usually true. I'm just going to say not usually true. I, I just want to leave a margin, a sliver there for people who are actually criminal weirdos who actually fit that description, but they're not as broad and scary as the generalized media in America is making it. So they don't, they, they make it bigger so they don't have to look at their own stuff. Okay. Like, no, dude, this pile of crap is yours. It belongs to you. Get a giant, massive doo-doo bag and put your hands on it, put it in there, and transport it away from public influence. This is your crap. This is you. You did this. Get it out of here. But they're like, no, no. Make, make that guy over there do it. It's him. He's wrong. Because he's our adversary. Make him, make him do it. And like, no, no, it's your crap. You do it. Pick up your crap, or you're going to get a ticket. I don't know. I can't give them a ticket, but if I could give the media for being lying projectionist weirdos a ticket for not dealing with their own stuff, I would. I totally would do it, but I don't have, I'm not like a meter mate or something for media, media mis mishandling, unethical media violations. But it's, it's like, I'm talking like hippo sized dump, dumping ground. They really need to deal with it. It's so not trustworthy, man. And it's, everybody can perceive it. That's the thing about, that's the thing about crap. Everyone notices. 
And they think we don't notice because they think that we think what they want us to think. And that's not true. We just don't. We have our own thoughts. Much to the chagrin of the people who write all the stuff and put it out on the airwaves and tell us what they think strongly on, on a news forum. No, no. We still think for ourselves. We have our own thoughts. We counterjudge you. And the judgment is that you need to come get this out of our neighborhood. This is your crap. Get it out of here. It's your fault for being terrible people. Okay, anyways. So back to this great fortune that I'm, I'm experiencing. This validation. This mountain of, of validation that came from, from a journalist. His name is Sam Cooper. He wrote a book called Willful Blindness that I'm going to talk a lot about during this podcast. So... Lots of news attention suddenly on this con constellation of problems. Homelessness, going to drug-addicted people, cir circulating around looking for black car heroin, death, death, and death, corrupt and callous officials. Uh, okay, and then they don't give two, two actual craps about the PRC or Chinese Communist Partisan Nationals buying ridiculous amounts of Washington State real estate or U.S. real estate to park their money like as a fixed asset you know so that it so they can save it from the Chinese government uh, but they're not really saving it because the Chinese government owns them and they own their stuff but it's tougher to get out because it's here but I don't think they're going to last very long because if they cease to be our friends, we're not going to guard their stuff if it's on our land. I think they're not going to win that one. That That's my assessment on that one. Um, <clears throat> but they, they still bought a bunch of property. And uh, we could homestead the crap out of that and say, you're PRC enemies and get out of here. And now we will be the government that owns your stuff. So get out. So they're in league with the same people who purchase influence with Chinese fentanyl gangs who also have been stealing women from Yakima and the Pacific Northwest tribal nations to sell them into slavery rings anywhere, uh, which was a certain hidden cause of missing and murdered indigenous women um, in the Pacific Northwest, a, a certain issue of certain sensitivity and awareness that I am kind of aware of, and I'm making you aware of it. So, these are the very same CCP narcos that have been around for a really long time um, that traffic in fentanyl narcotics with Mexican drug gangs who are currently making insane amounts of cash flooding into the Texas borders um, with new people. Foreign, non-U.S. people. They're just, they're just dumping them and getting the coyotes to to register heads, like, several thousand apiece, la 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 la. People, these are the same people who are indebted for large sums of money, some sold into underground gang slavery uh, to do forced labor in the United States. Here, in the United States, slavery in the United States because drug gangs, because this other stuff. Okay, it's bad. Uh, children are trafficked for sexual slavery and other things, which is very, very bad and very, very dark. 
Um, but that's, that's part of that whole problem. And so some of that forced labor is, you know, also trafficking known terrorists and people evading U.S. immigration enforcement. They're all, like, kind of mixed together. They're all mixed in the same pot. Um, which is really easy to do right now because the American government flies them wherever they want in the United States with no masks, no vaccine enforcement, no gov- COVID government because corrupt elected leftists in D.C. and Seattle and Vancouver look around to tell us that it's our fault. It's our fault for being racist backwards assholes. And what did we do wrong exactly? Well, we don't let the CCP buy everything we own tomorrow and convert our constitutional system into a massive fascist socialist technocratic surveillance merger with the big four technology companies at the helm okay so we're guilty of not allowing it to become a massive you know basically a russian oligarchy um so for our sins for not allowing this to become a surveillance transactionalist economy with complete totalitarianism, uh, where the government basically owns all the Westerners and can convert their identity, their biometrics, give them a social credit score, and funnel them into a universal monetary unit to be exchanged with BRICS nations as nationalized capital. You know, we're guilty of not allowing them to be, you know, to use us as a utility to slave in a currency exchange. This is about currency. Why does it boil down to money? It just does. It just, that's just the way it went. So, and this is a currency exchange that's wholly submissive to China, uh, run by really greedy, short-sighted, bad people who are actually appointed by no U.S. citizen and elected by no one and accountable to no one, except better-knowing press activists like me and this writer and a bunch of people who understand. And have been getting it for a while, but they've been going a lot stir-crazy and moving to Texas and Idaho and out of California because they're, they, they, ugh, they, it's bigger than them and they are really, really good people and they don't want to let this touch them. It is dirty. Um, <clears throat> so, so, that's all. That's all. That's all we did. That's all we did wrong It's not let it happen. So, damn sinners, how dare you? Did you believe something that they didn't shove down your throat? Well, good for you. I think you might still have a pulse. You might be alive in there. So where is the windfall exactly? That would be one Canadian man's book. Okay. One press adversary to the corrupt triumvirate. Author, investigative journalist who I never heard of until like two weeks ago. One Sam Cooper who's now saving all of us. Um, What did he write? Uh, so I'll just say that he wrote this best-selling book in Canada. It's selling, like, hotcakes in Canada. But no one in America's really getting it yet. It's, it's titled Willful Blindness, How a Network of Narcos, Tycoons, and CCP Agents Infiltrated the West. And I'm giving him free PR this week because, because I need, I need people to know. Um, so, so we're talking about people who made stupid policy decisions and then farm them to to even dumber slower more corrupt and inept people in government who went for it and jay inslee's government went for it because they were lobbied by rich corrupt people 
Okay, but, however, to his immediate credit, I still think my little tiny Bic lighter of a podcast and some of my prior activism in privacy may have done something. What? I don't know, but uh, I can't really cash in on it. But I'll just say this. Um, A.G. Ferguson suddenly exhibited some kind of functional conscience and decided to whack Google for sub-navigating location surveillance setting, which has really been a problem, a known issue since 2017. So three other state AGs, which happen to be Texas, Indiana, and Arizona, whom I wrote vociferously to at least Texas um, about this, and I also took my grievances to the local government, um, they went in on an enforcement action and find them. So they are all now charging Google 7500 per infraction. So if this has been going on since 2017 and you know you have to calculate okay how many people are on an Android device if you called the telecom businesses AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, so forth and so on, Mint. <laughs> uh, and said, okay, who are your Android people since twenty five since twenty seventeen? Uh, and then they just give us the number, the solid number of of people with Android using phones since that time. And then they just kind of adjust it for people scaling off and going to other services and you know, they just kind of collate it. So that's that's they finally get a solid number of users. And let's say from that very large number, they're going to have to find the ones whom Google pulled from, like got this location surveillance, whether it's gray location surveillance, which means that the government, any government, you know, good government, bad government, local government, state government, foreign government, pulled from Google and said, hey, dude, we'll pay you for this information. Just give it to us. We want it. We want this person. Um, then they they would be on the hook for that. You know, because it's, it's, you don't need a warrant. But they weren't supposed to be collecting because they did it illegally. It's called deceptive practices. So, so how do you stay in business, Google? How? Was it worth it? Was it 7,500 per infraction? Really? Why don't you just stop? But they're not going to stop because they're, they're stupid. And they're they're that kind of stupid, you know. The amoral, some kind of you know something else is going on, you know, with their their consciousness and their morality. They just can't. They just can't stop. Something wrong with them. Um. So did I mention that Bill Gates suddenly threw in the towel on vaccines? I just wanted to kind of deviate on that. I thought that was good news, because he was he's Mister. You know, vaccinate the planet, get all of the children and all of the brown children all over the place, vaccines, you know, do a prog prog rock dance in the park and get everybody a vaccine. You know, that didn't, that, he's like throwing the towel on the, on the mRNA. He's like, nope, no more. It's not working. So, so this is kind of a paraphrase, but I think he said, just let Omicron happen. He didn't say that, but that's what people are doing anyway. <laughs> because COVID government is broken and the mRNA vaccines are broken. 
So it's all quite unbelievable, like a crappy uh, midsummer play with people reading their lines on paper. Um, so, so I guess you get to abandon your passports. You're you're abandoning all the personal tyranny and the vax shaming of your family members. You know, you should probably just abandon all that, you know. But people are kind of attached to it. They're like, ah, yeah, I went hard. Um, but, you know, it's gotten so bad. Psychology today kind of is telling all the virtue-signaling lemmings out there who don't think for themselves to forgive themselves, be nice to themselves. And so I kind of have a feeling about that. And I feel like, uh-huh, you know... I have another kind of force of nature perspective, which is like, let a snowy owl eruption forgive all the lemmings. I mean, by forgiving, like descend on them with screaming quiet and get rid of them all. But, you know, then all the other creatures who have a conscience and want a different type of life will not get nibbled to death by all the lemmings. And uh, that's what we call the circle of life. So am I being judgy? I think, I think I'm being judgy. Um, but, you know, I guess I'm just paying it backwards, which probably isn't helpful, but it does make me feel better. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot roomier without all those vigilante, non-paid socialist police forces who don't believe in anything but government out stepping on my personal rights with their anti-science science. So, 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 oh, there's a sub-variant of Omicron? I don't care. No one cares. No one gives a crap. There's so many other really more important and interesting things to tell you, like reading you this excerpt from Sam Cooper's really awesome book, which I'm super excited about. Like, I, I think this actually might be the very, very last Sanctioned Citizen podcast. But don't cry. The name burns down, it turns into ashes, and then returns as, as this other new person. Maybe somebody nicer, happier, with a name and an identity who can't get stuffed underneath a woodpile by passive-aggressive technology bullies. Someone strengthened by the Texas sun, perhaps. But, you know, let's just read this. So I'm just going to start here on page two from chapter one called The Whales. And uh, let's see here. So here it is from page two, starting page two from Willful Blindness. Everybody knew that the primary revenue driver for BC government casinos were visits from ultra-wealthy Chinese businessmen. At any given time, there are about 100 foreign VIP patrons gambling at the Lottery Corp casinos in Richmond, Vancouver, Burnaby, New Westminster, and Coquitlam. I hope that's right. Um, these visitors were amongst the richest and most powerful men in the world, industrialist tycoons and Chinese state, military, and police officials who claimed to have amassed tremendous fortunes as real estate developers, miners, oil barons, shipbuilders, and construction moguls. Gambling is illegal in China, banned for the masses by the Chinese Communist Party, but betting is also deeply embedded in the country's underground culture. And from Alderson's point of view, gambling was permitted for China's elite through backdoor channels. For these whale gamblers, Baccarat was the game of choice, and they traveled the world to play it. In some BC Lottery Court casinos, in private salons where the VIPs were treated like royalty, they could bet up to $100,000 per hand. They won and lost 
obscene amounts of money at Richmond's River Rock Casino, the favorite destination in Canada for the Chinese whales, who also gambled in Macau, Las Vegas, and Melbourne. At the elite level, what the Lottery Corp called VVIP players, the gamblers bought chips with no less than $500,000 cash. Alderson topped the hill on Boundary Road where Burnaby's skyline showed over the pines in Central Park. He stopped at Kingsway Road and looked east to the cranes and condo towers surrounding Burnaby's Metrotown Mall. He knew Kingsway was thick with the underground casinos tucked behind currency exchanges and in the back rooms of a karaoke lounges. But trying to shut them down was like playing whack-a-mole. The locations changed so often. Alderson crossed Kingsway and continued north on Boundary Road. I feel like I'm reading a GPS. Um, he turned his thoughts to the VC Casino Summit. Alderson knew that China's economy had to be considered in order to grasp what was happening in BC Lottery Corp casinos. He had arranged a presentation from Canadian foreign correspondent Jonathan Manthorpe, a veteran China watcher. Manthorpe's point was that Canadian leaders, including bankers and bureaucrats and casino brass at the summit, hadn't taken the first step to answer serious questions about funds pouring in from China and the impact on Canada. How much money is being spirited out illegally, Manthorpe asked. Why are China's wealthy hiding their money abroad, and how are they getting their money past China's strict currency controls? Manthorpe said that an unimaginable private wealth had been created in the 1980s under the reforms paramount to the Chinese Communist Party leader Deng Xiaoping, and now it was flooding cities like Vancouver, Seattle, and Melbourne. Figures from Chinese national banks predicted that $320 billion in cash would flee China in 2015, Manthorpe said. Some analysts estimated much higher figures, and the corruption watchdog, Global Financial Integrity, had reported that $1.25 trillion in shady funds had rushed out of China from 2002 to 2012. Almost all of the funds came from the top of the pyramid. They are either senior members of the ruling Communist Party or close to them through family or business ties, Manthorpe said. Uh, they are the elite who have benefited most from the economic revolution. Much of the wealth created in the last three decades is now in the hands of a few families attached to the Communist Party. I'm going to read that sentence again. Much of the wealth created in the last three decades is now in the hands of a few families attached to the Communist Party. Continue. For Alderson's takeaway from Manthorpe's presentation was blunt. China's population was getting raped by its leaders and Chinese state corruption was turning Vancouver's real estate market into an overpriced collection of lockboxes. But Manthorpe's research didn't address cash funneling into Lottery Corp casinos. The multi-billion dollar question was how the offshore high rollers had acquired industrial loads of paper currency in Canada. It was not coming from Canadian banks. For the cops at the summit, it was insane how these gamblers were allowed to lug bags of cash into the casinos every day of the week. All you had to do was watch the casino surveillance footage. Mind-blowing. 
You had guys carrying big Louis Vuitton and Gucci leather totes, suitcases on wheels, and for the Ultra Whales hockey bags stuffed with $20 bills. GPEB investigators had witnessed gamblers literally dragging hockey bags holding $1 million cash up the escalators to private cash cages. You would see a couple of guys rapidly unload the bricks of cash wrapped in elastic bands, shove them across the counters to cashiers who stacked the paper like hay bales, and then fired the bills through electronic money counters. When the bills were tallied and the cashiers passed the gamblers' high-value betting chips, and the cash was immediately spirited from the cage down to the Concedo vault. And this happened night after night. The way that Alderson, sorry, Alderson and the RCMP, GEPB investigators, and the Summit saw it, this was obviously incredibly suspicious. You think? You think it's suspicious? Me too. I think it's suspicious. You know what I think is suspicious? The fact that in Bellevue, Washington, nobody thinks anything about a Huawei building being built in the middle of the town. You know what else I think is pretty suspicious? The fact that no one's registered as a foreign agent in the city of Seattle or anywhere else in King County for like a long, long time. Not this year, not last year. So that's really weird to me. You know what else is pretty suspicious? The fact that the DEA is like nowhere, nowhere in their news. They're not tracking anything. They're not doing anything with anyone. That's really obvious. It's really conspicuous that they're nowhere. Their PR people are nowhere. They're not messaging. They're not working with, with our border patrol. That's really odd. So... I just wanted to say that because there's so much drugs and so much corruption and it's so close here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so, so that was the excerpt and it, it was so inspiring that I actually kind of hatched a plan. What plan is that? Did you know that there is a U.S. consulate in Vancouver, B.C.? and other places in Canada, like Toronto? And if any of the goings-on in Vancouver or in Canada impact you, did you know that you can call them and demand redress of any of your grievances? As a U.S. citizen, you most certainly can. So I'll include this link in and a picture of the site um, so that you can check that out. For instance... I'll give you a scenario. If you discover that the government of Canada in Vancouver or Toronto has been lobbying the state of Washington or the U.S. federal government to increase COVID-19 vaccination ID article mandates for, say, trucker transportation, or they're using clandestine mobile surveillance at the U.S. border for your health passes um, inside the United States interior... Uh, or in other places like, say, the state of New York or Michigan or Illinois, you may protest and demand petition, 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 that the government of Canada stop such demands uh, on your person. And I have heard such a thing may be happening already. And so this is something that you can do about all of that. So you may also try your federal representative and your U.S. state senator, but I, 
I warn you, a lot of them like to throw up their hands and say, meh, what can be done? So you do it after you call the embassy and say, here's what I told the embassy. Here's, here's how I served a strongly worded letter to your U.S. State Department. Now, please go do my bidding. I am a U.S. citizen. <coughs> so it's not Berlin. It's Vancouver and Toronto. Okay? You know, this is a problem with the Canadian government. And you don't want to give them any other option other than to deal with your citizenship. So make them answer to your citizenship. So this has been an excellent opportunity to show and tell about all the stuff that has been the bother in the Pacific Northwest. This may be the very last podcast, but don't worry about it. Uh, there will be more podcasts in the world. But I hope this has been informative and helpful to you. I am Tempest Del Fuego. I hope that you have an awesome life. Be well, and may this pandemic be damned and over very soon.